Hello everybody and welcome to Lockdown Literature, courtesy of the Studio Online and the National Lottery Community Fund. You are about to listen to an audio story from a series of writing gathered during the COVID-19 lockdown from both the adults and children's write-on sessions. So relax, settle back and enjoy a selection of writing from some of the finest creative minds at the studio. Last Legs by Neil Holiday. He sits there looking at me like there's nothing wrong and it's a look I know all too well lately. It's been 16 years and I can remember the first day we met like it was yesterday. The look was different then, wide-eyed anticipation. I was three years old and within five minutes of his meeting, I'd received more love from him than I'd ever had from my mum. Someone once told me you bond with a dog through eye contact, I wouldn't argue, but now it felt like there was no more love to give either way. He was spent and I knew it. Karen had said it for months but she never liked him anyway and was always using him against me in arguments. You give that bleeding dog more attention than me. It was a familiar opening salvo in our increasingly more frequent arguments. I never argued the point because she was right. I'd only known her for 12 months and she didn't even come close in the pecking order. It was Barney, my vinyl, the homemade bong, then Karen in a distant fourth. It was my flat where she lived rent free and got to be a healthy distance from her prick of her father who she knew wouldn't come near me. I was getting my regular hole for the first time, so we were each getting out of it what we wanted. It was a contract of convenience and Barney was the silent partner. The ensuing sketch in these quarrels was wearing thin. Here we go again. That bleeding dog, I cut in. Oh, go on then, tell us the friggin' story. Karen pounced right on cue and added the dramatic arm fold across her ample chest as she took a long jaw on her super king. But, but I had my stock answer to deliver, so I pressed on. That bleeding dog, as you put it, saved my life. No Barney, no Jason, no Jason, no flat, no flat. And you'd be shacked up with that piss pot you called your half fella, you ungrateful cow. I was getting tired of it, all the more annoying that this latest row was one I couldn't win. Well, you won't mind clearing it shit up off the floor then, will you? As part and shots go, this was a cracker. She didn't leave me time to even attempt the counter. I stood there like a goalkeeper who's just let a back pass roll under his foot and into the net. The front door slammed in a cloud of smoke as she headed off to leave me and our canine anti-hero alone again. I looked at the mess on the kitchen lino, then to Barney, my old mate. There was dog shit everywhere. His shit. The whole flat absolutely stank of it enough for the first time. It caught in my throat and it was all I could do not to throw up. Barney was on his last legs and probably had been for a couple of months on reflection. The day I'd jetted for the last few years was here. As I cleaned the kitchen with newspaper and Jay's fluid, I resigned myself to the fact that he had to go, but I was skint and I knew that whatever a vet would charge to put him to sleep was beyond me. I couldn't afford the send-off he deserved and it choked me up as I went around the flat, wedging windows and doors open to try and get some fresh air blowing through. I scanned the sparse family photographs on the mantelpiece. The chances of any of the faces in front of me being able to help were as slim as Barney's word of seeing the day out. The one person I knew I could rely on at times like this didn't want him to place amongst the others, but I knew how to find him. I picked up the phone. The knock was unmistakable. 
He rattled the small window on the door with his signet ring to the verge of breaking point, and he was still swiping at it with the back of his hand, looking in the opposite direction, as I opened up. The face that turned towards me belonged to a man I only ever turned to when I needed something, a fact he regularly reminded me of. I called him Tommy because he hated me calling him Grandad. It was only recently I began to realise that his cold relationship with me and my mum was because he had resented becoming a grandfather at the age of 32, when she had had me at 16. And this after him becoming a father himself at the same age with a, gra with a grandmother I never knew. The 50-year-old Tommy Bingham that stood on the landing outside my flat was as bitter as he'd always been and it showed in his face. A wiry man with the seasonal mahogany tan of the hot carrying in September. Tattoos on his forearms that were getting harder to decipher each year as his skin began to wrinkle with age and the effects of ultraviolet. Fingers yellowed from a million cigarettes that had also wrecked his teeth and were now playing havoc with his respiratory system. He was fading, but still had the faculties I needed for dealing with Barney. Jesus wept, it stinks in here, lad. Have you brushed your teeth? <laughs> he coughed as he elbowed past me into the living room where he flopped onto the couch, short of breath, cackling at his own joke. Them bastard stairs, lad. Can't you get a flat on the ground floor? I told you, go and see the council. Say you're depressed and worried you'll throw yourself off the top deck. He turned off as his gaze flitted around the room. Doing them a favour in the long run. His eyes settled on the ashtray. He still hadn't looked at me. Build a spliff, lad. Go ahead. Do you want a brew? I asked him, heading to the kitchen where Barney hid under the small table for fear of getting a toe up the arse. Tommy was disappointed. Nothing stronger, lad. Drop a scotch. It was just after ten in the morning. Tom, if I could afford whiskey, I wouldn't need you for shitty arse, I said, nodding towards the dog. And no, I've got no weed either, I said, offering Tommy a ciggy in consolation. I made the tea in silence, washing my hands in the kitchen sink while Tommy's breathing settled back to normal. He smoked his cigarette down to the right near the filter in the time it took the kettle to boil before nipping it out in the ashtray. An ember of tobacco smoked on the tip of his index finger. He didn't notice. There was no small talk with Tommy. I'd learned that very early on. Unless a transaction of some sort was unfolding, he just wasn't interested, so I made no attempt. He slipped his tea and smacked his lips. I perched in the battered armchair opposite. Once the balls go, lad, that's it. Game over. Good night, Vienna. His concentration lapsed again as he eyed Barney. An eight and senna, lad. I'll get him but to sleep for you. A tenner? You said a fiver on the phone. Settle up on Tuesday. I told you, I'm skint, Tom. Everything was a haggle with him. I must have agreed to a fiver too easily on the phone. Schoolboy stuff for Tommy to exploit. He looked at me like a butcher about to join a side of beef. All right, all right. A bluey. Because you're family. And even then only because you're our carols, lad. A favour. A massive friggin' favour, this lad. I'm telling you. He took another gulp of tea and sat forward on the couch to signal that negotiations were complete. Carol's lad. No affection. He never called me by my name. Neither did any of his mates if I ever bumped into one. And they were hard to avoid around the boozers of this goldfish bowl. I was Tommy's girl's lad. Not even his cronies referred to him as a grandparent. They didn't, even in jest. The recognition was usually followed by a firm slap on the shoulder from whoever was in front of me. Tommy was feared as a hard case and it had done me more favours than caused me problems. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, as they say, and the reputation had done me no harm. I could look after myself, but the menace of having his name definitely helped. It's why I tolerated him. Thanks, Tommy, that's... He waved my insincere thanks away like he was swatting a fly as he coughed and climbed to his feet. <coughs> yeah, yeah, sound bad. Just make sure you cough up on Tuesday. 
Right, give us the lead and I'll need the spade. He hitched up his jeans as he walked towards, walked towards Barney, rubbing his hands. Come here, you, you smelly little bastard. And I'll take another ciggy if you're offering, lad. Barked Tommy as I grabbed the dog's lead and opened the front door to get him an old shovel I kept in the bin cupboard on the landing. He snatched the shovel from me and stood impatiently as I clipped Barney's lead to his collar. This was it. See you, lad, was all I could muster as I crouched and scrunched him under the chin with one hand, scratching the back of his neck with the other as a breeze blew through the flat, carrying a distinct whiff of his final misdemeanour. I remember the night he woke me up, barking like mad in my ear to let me know the kitchen was on fire after my mum had come home pissed and left the chip pan on while she was passed out on the couch. I was eight. Barney narrowed his eyes and tried to jump up on me for a belly tickle, but Tommy had other ideas and yanked them away, leaving me alone in the doorway with the smell. I shouted to Tommy as they walked off down the landing. He ignored me so I shouted again and took a few steps after him. This time he stopped and turned around. He eyed me as he pulled angrily on his ciggy. He took a long drag and jerked his chin outwards and upwards as if to ask what I wanted. Where are you gonna bury him? I shouted. Tommy looked puzzled and shook his head like he didn't understand the question. I pointed at the shovel and said again, more clearly, Where will you bury him? I wouldn't mind knowing, you know, after it's done like. Nothing from Tommy. He took the ciggy from his mouth with the hand that held the shovel. Barney looked at me with an equally confused expression. What are you on about, lad? said Tommy, perplexed. I'm saying, Tom, where will you bury him after? You know, I couldn't say it in front of the dog. I'm not burying the fucker, lad, don't be soft. Tommy took another drag on the ciggy and made it turn away. I was as confused as Barney now. But the shovel, Tom, where are you digging the, you know? I motioned towards Barney, almost pleading with Tommy by this point. Then he hawked up a ball of phlegm into the back of his throat and spat it out onto the landing in front of him. He wiped his lips with the back of his hand, took a final pull on the ciggy and laughed as he flicked the stump away over the balcony. This you mean? He held up the shovel, chuckling and shaking his head. Barney looked at it, then at me. This isn't for digging, lad, he spat, almost scolding me. Then he turned and walked away, pulling Barney along at his side. Compliant. I suddenly felt like I was going to throw up, put my hands in my mouth as I heaved. Don't forget, lad, Tuesday, fiver. Don't let me down.